I'm used to coming home to an empty apartment, a silent space with no one to talk to and no one to go on a vent and rant about the terrible traffic. Like I, I haven't been able to vent to anyone about ter a terrible day I had. And now all of a sudden I could just start unloading if I wanted to. Right. Um, and he would probably take it and I think a lot of people would. And something feels weird to me. Welcome back. We're not for everyone. I'm Jess. Caroline's with me. We can't see each other right now, and you can't see us either. Um, Caroline is in a remote location, and so we're doing video lists today, and we're just on the phone. What's going on, bitch? Tell us. Tell us what's happening to you. Are you safe? I'm safe. Am I safe? I don't know. I don't know where <laughs> I am. I'm like in the woods on an island, and I'm... Um, it is like it's daylight I can see, but it is so disorienting doing recording the podcast without doing the video portion and seeing you. I really do feel like we're like in the dark in a sleepover, <laughs> like in a sleeping bag together and like yeah. nobody knows nobody knows what's a limb and what's a body part. Like it does feel it does feel sexy is what I'm gonna say. Right. It does feel sexy. <laughs> It does feel like the scene in Step Brothers where they're both in their individual what? beds in the shared room, and it, that's not sexy. It just feels like this. And yeah. he, one of them is like, hey, I want to, like, I want to punch you in the face. And then the other one's like, oh, like, ugh, whatever. And they're whispering to each other. It feels like that. It feels like we share a bedroom and we're adult yeah. children. Yeah. <laughs> I did that with my sister, Elizabeth and I, my older sister and I shared a bedroom for most of childhood and she we would definitely do like the late night we'd twin beds we'd do like the late night up chit chat and whispering but then also sometimes she'd get in a mood where she was like really annoyed at me and I was being like an annoying little sister um, right there's a famous there was a famous phase of our room sharing where she took a piece of string and ran it down the alleged center of our room and I wasn't allowed to cross the string um, oh my god! Which was a rude and b logistically inconsiderate <laughs> since the bathroom entrance was on her side of the room. It was like it was a debacle. Okay, I kind of did something similar with my freshman year college roommate. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> because okay, I grew up without sharing a room. Luckily, it was just me and my sister, so we each had our own rooms mm -hmm. and got to college. Um, my first semester freshman year roommate was like never there and always stayed with her friends or with boys or whoever. She was like much cooler than me. And so I kind of had the room to myself. But then midway through the year, she decided to like officially move into a different dorm and be closer to her friends. And okay. so um, I got a new roommate and this girl was a lot nicer but she was always in the room and no. she was very messy and, and no. not just messy, like filthy. No. Um, I There's like a image burned in my memory of her underwear like laying on the ground on top of a bag of bread. And wow. I just like can't forget. I can never forget that no. that's something that I lived next to. Two different and yeasts. Two different <laughs> yeasts piled together. I do not like that. Keep them separate. Just because you can categorize them under one bucket doesn't mean that they should actually yeah. sit together. I do not um, like that. 
And the bathroom, we actually had our own bathroom because my freshman year dorm situation was a crazy one where we were actually in an inn that was like across the street from campus because they over-enrolled our class and they had to Mm. rent this inn for the year. It was a whole thing. So we had our own bathroom, which was nice, but it really disrupted the fact that at some point I tried to literally put tape in between her side of the room and my side of the room because it was disgusting on her side. And the bathroom was on her side and I don't know it's just like it's it they make it seem a lot more feasible on like Rugrats or Doug or whatever Nickelodeon show (laughs) taught us that you can put tape down the middle of a room wait 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 wait. I wait why was she as like a semi-adult person adhering to like your tape laws that I feel like that would only work in childhood as like an as like an 18 year old you were like I'm putting tape down the center of the room you can't cross the side and she was like okay I I don't honestly remember. I think that she she what? was like self aware enough to know how gross she was compared yeah, to you me. You know what you are. I'm very. Okay. I am like obsessively clean and neat in my home at all times, and so. Um, but I don't think the tape lasted for long. I think what ended up happening when that like didn't really work, and clearly like neither of us was going to adhere to it, um, was that my parents were like, "What if we come up to." Hopkins this weekend and we'll bring you a bunch of storage bins like from the container store and you can put some of your stuff in them and just like say that you're organizing and then you can look at her and be like oh actually I didn't use all these bins that my parents brought if you want some (laughs) and like brainwash her manipulate her into using (laughs) these storage bins and that was literally my parents idea like classic um we're all avoidant people (laughs) and we didn't none of us wanted the direct communication so we tried that that's tough yeah do you try that okay yeah it didn't I mean I think she like kind of used the storage bin but there was still so much shit on the ground she was very nice but um it just wasn't a match (laughs) I need to go back to the adult tape situation so do you remember (laughs) do you remember like at some point was there a conversation? <laughs> yeah, where you were like, hey, listen, great to see you this morning. As you <laughs> noticed, I have run a strip of what, like blue masking tape down the center of the room. And Probably. I now expect you to stay on your side. Like, how did you present that? I really don't remember. Part of me is thinking that I just had the thought to do that and that I didn't actually do it. You know, when your memories like don't work. <laughs> And you're like, <laughs> you're like, did I do that? Or did I just think about doing it every day, all day when I was in my dorm room, but I never actually did it? That's very possible because I don't remember having that um, conversation. But I also yeah. do think like for some reason, the dynamic between she and I was one where if that conversation did happen, it probably would have been fine. Like, I, I swear she would have okay. been like, yeah, that's reasonable. Like, okay, <laughs> she knew it was a problem. But no, I, yeah. I don't know if it actually happened that way. I think we jumped to the storage bins um, okay. <laughs> as the first line of defense. <laughs> what were um, what were like the highs and lows of sharing a room with Elizabeth when you were growing up? Because that sounds so mm-hmm. like quintessential sisters, but I'm sure not so much all the time. Yeah, Elizabeth and I had like an undulating, is that the right word? Oscillating like <laughs> speeds to our relationship where we weren't enemies, but we also weren't best friends. Like we went through 
periods of being both. We fought about as badly as sisters could fight, like violence. And she yeah. was a biter. She was a big biter. I'm going to put that mm-hmm. on the internet. She's a big fucking biter. And um, and then we also could totally be buddies and play together and, like, have a great time. And she actually was super motherly as a young child and super protective. And she was always basically trying to corral me. Like, I mm. – the best way I can describe myself as a child is, like, I was a monkey. I was just a fucking monkey. And she was always trying to get us to, like, she really wanted our outfits to be color-coordinated. She wanted our headbands to match. She wanted me, <laughs> you know, to, like, li- adhere to the schedule and, like, listen to the rules. And um, she just wanted to, like, organize me, and I res- I resisted. I, right. <laughs> I, I led a one-person resistance. <laughs> um, but I, but I, we also loved playing together. Like, I remember we had one of those – Playmobil. We had a bunch of Playmobil dollhouse stuff. You guys know? I don't know if you. Do you know I don't like know if I know what a Playmobil is. Oh, is oh, it? Oh, it's like... just like they were just like those little. They're not even dolls. It's like those little. It's almost like Legos, but like bigger characters, and they would have like a mansion, and um, they're like all these Polly different scenes. Yeah, but a little bit bigger. Yeah. Okay. And you could play with it kind of like you'd play with a dollhouse. And um, there were just, like, a million different sets. It was kind of a cross between, like, Polly Pocket, Legos, and, like, a classic dollhouse. And um, we had this, like, mansion set. It was basically the dollhouse. And she would – she was really into – she was really into Midsummer Night's Dream, and we'd do, like, a Midsummer Night's Dream dollhouse thing. And whenever she sat down and started playing with the Playmobil dollhouse – in our bedroom, I would get really excited and I'd always want to play with her. And then I'd come over to play. I'd have to, first of all, I had to cross the string in order to come play. And she was like, <laughs> let, let me over for a moment. And then as soon as I started playing with her, she'd decide she was bored and leave me. And then I would have to like stay there playing with the Playmobil and like kind of feign that I was still into it because I didn't want to look like, <laughs> I didn't want to look too desperate. And, but like really, I was just like, I only like this when you were here. Come on. And she never would stay and play with me. So that was a dynamic. Oh, I wonder if that ever happened with me and my sister I feel like I need her here to represent her point of view um yeah I think it's funny to think about a little kid having enough awareness to realize like oh that's embarrassing that she just left me here I now have to pretend that I'm having fun alone like what a what a interesting thing that I guess gets embedded in our minds like pretty early on or I don't know is like a natural human reaction no matter how old you are I think that's so funny yeah I don't I guess maybe I wasn't embarrassed but I had the awareness like even though I would often resist her control I also wanted to play with her at times she made she made the Playmobil dollhouse look so fun I only wanted to play (laughs) with it when she was doing stuff with it and I was like oh but she was like really selling it to me without trying to and then it's not that I'd be embarrassed to be like if she quit playing I could just I wanted to just go do whatever she was gonna do next um, right. It sounded fun. It's not that it'd be embarrassing to just like follow her around like a dog, but I was aware that that just wouldn't get me what I wanted. I need to like, I needed to have, this is a fucking theme of my life, I feel like, is like feigning the semblance, the mechanical <laughs> gestures of. <laughs> I love when you laugh at your own <laughs> stuff before you even say it. So great. Being, Continue. It's like, like, f- f- pretending to be grounded in myself pretending Mm. (laughs) pretending just like figuring out the mechanics of looking like I'm centered in myself when I'm probably not yeah and it's interesting too because it's like 
where when you're young do you realize or observe or something that that's like a value that you should be demonstrating? You know what I yeah. mean? I always think, I just think like, I, I know nothing about childhood development. Like I'm very bad at looking at a child and guessing their age. I'm very bad at things like knowing when they're supposed to be able to start walking and start talking. Like I just can't retain that information no matter how yeah. many times people tell me what it is. And but that being said, I'm also very interested just observing kids and being like at at a certain point, maybe like after two or three, they kind of start to operate like little adults. Like I'll never forget this one time yeah. I walked into a Chipotle and in D.C. and this these two moms were there with their two kids who had to be like five or four even and um, the moms were sitting at one table chatting and their two five-year-olds were sitting at like a parallel separate table chatting. And I was like, what are these five-year-olds <laughs> talking about across the table from each other at a Chipotle? Like they're having a business meeting. These two are having a business meeting, right? Brokering deals. And it was adorable. And it clearly like it worked for the moms that they could bring their kids and kind of have their alone time while their kids were there. Like I loved to see it. But I also, every time I see kids just talking to each other um yeah. like asking questions and doing things like feigning being like solid in themselves like you just talked about it's like how do they figure this stuff out it's so yeah. interesting to me it is so funny i feel like i know what you're talking about like i remember being those young ages and all the dynamics all the interactions felt as full and as nuanced and as poignant mm. as any of my human interactions do now, and, and they were, they're equal. Um, but, like, you know, having a crush on a guy in kindergarten, a guy, a child, um, or, <laughs> you know, getting in a fight at my table in first grade. Um, but the reality of what, like, the language of those interactions and conversations are right. is you being like, I, I, I mean, what is it even? It's someone being like, your high five is poopy and then you know it's like but it's like so much is still contained in that yeah like the experience is the same it's just you don't have the words for it so it's like that was fun or that was mean or that was whatever but really it was so much more because we just gained those words later yeah i know and it's funny because like looking at kids now having those interactions it everything seems so simplified and so bare bones but I remember from my own experience, it was like as rich as anything else in human experiences. It's just funny that it's like limited by language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I struggle to remember a lot of childhood. Like, I don't know. I have core memories from childhood. And if somebody in my family or something like brings up some story from my childhood, like I can often remember it once they're telling it to me or like I have no, I don't have a hard time like conjuring the image of it or the fact that that probably happened or whatever but I can't in the same way that you're talking about like being able to remember those feelings Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I can do that very well Mm. um I mean there's probably like a couple exceptions that are like really standout experiences from when I was a kid but by and large I don't know if I can like really remember what that felt like so that's also interesting to oh, me. Oh that is interesting. I definitely remember I feel like I don't remember my own life very well but I am I remember my emotional experience very mm. clearly all the time. This is what I attribute to. I think I don't have 
I don't I don't remember a lot of events from my life, mostly because I'm usually in my head. And if you're in your head, you're like not actually like you're like I keep I save memories of what I was thinking about or what I was yeah. feeling or what I was spiraling on. But I don't have as much memory of things that happened, you know, the life events. Um, mm. I don't know if that like where were you? Where were your where was your head? I don't know. One of my friends from college, um, he was like his name's Mark. He's probably listening. Hi, Mark. Um He was a good friend through college and after college for the first couple of years that we were out. We both like lived in the area and so still hung out a bunch. And he was also friends with my sister. There were lots of ways that we overlapped and spent time together. And but he also wasn't like my best best friend and he wasn't in my group of like day to day best friends. Um, And I got together with him a year or two ago. He was in Chicago and he was recounting all these stories of us. From college, I think I was meeting his boyfriend for the first time and um, he was like, oh, Jess and I did this and Jess and I did this. And I was like, I don't remember like 75% of what you're talking about. Like, I remember that I love you and that you're fun and hilarious and smart and like we've had good memories. But I now that you're saying these things to me, I'm like, yeah, I guess that did happen. But I don't recall it at all it's weird I I feel like the only way I remember things is other people recounting them to me even childhood things like I have certain core stories that I always tell like when my boyfriend and I first got together and you're getting to know everything about each other I would tell these core childhood stories but again I'm like is that based on my memory or is that based on my parents telling me this I totally really don't know I get that a lot with like um like a photograph. If I I think I have an image of a memory in my mind, but it actually maybe it's just from a photograph I saw that I'm like mm-hmm. conflating it and I mean memory's crazy that way. I think it's like as soon as you as soon as you kind of like revisit a memory mentally or verbally or sharing it or whatever you do start to mutate it. Like that's just what happens. The yeah. memory changes so quickly. Um and then, like, the difference in what your friend remembered out of your experience versus what you took away. I mean, it, it really is crazy. Totally. It's like, kind of fucking creepy out here. It's kind of fucking <laughs> creepy is. out here. I think memory is kind of creepy. Sometimes I do definitely – I have definitely been like <sighs> – yeah, like, are all my memories fake? And this and this is just like – I mean, it, it doesn't actually even really matter. Like, okay, they're all fake, whatever. But, like mm-hmm. – I don't know. What's my point? I'm not high. I'm not high. <laughs> well, I under I what where I was going from what you started of your point is like are all my memories fake? But at the same time they like have informed who I am and who I think I am and who I think I am to other people. You know what I mean? Like memories are important to forming who we are because they are our past. They are like what we remember of our past experiences and our past emotions and the ways that we've interacted with people in the past and things like that. And so they they accumulate and continue over time to like snowball and inform the person you are becoming. Yeah. But if they're all fake and like mutated and biased and, you know, whatever they are, then like, who am I? They literally all are. I mean, I would say we're not our memories. Okay. This is our, like the... Okay. <laughs> 
this is what happens when we turn Whoops, off video. We get oh, so God. in our heads. This I is like honestly, it. It's as romantic as I thought it would be. But... <laughs> I feel like maybe we're not our memories, but like you are, or we think we are, like the meaning we derive from yeah. whatever, from our experience. Like, and that meaning could be meaning we take from something we misremember is as valid as meaning we take from how somebody else sees, uh, recounts a memory they shared with us. Like the meaning we take from how our mom described us as a kid, like you get meaning right. about yourself. You get meaning about how other people interpret you, label you, see you, remember you. So it doesn't feel any less less real. It's like this This kind of reminds me of the conversation like a lot of people, a lot of stoners I know, like to go into the like, what if we're living in the matrix? Like Elon <laughs> Musk says that we're most likely a computer simulation. Like what if it's the matrix <laughs> to which, which you, I don't know if you can tell by my tone, but I'm like kind of nonplussed by this take. Like, I don't give a fuck. I, to me, I'm just like, well, obviously, I don't think there's anything I can say to convince this person, this donor, that it's not the Matrix. Obviously, I can't prove that. And I also don't care. Like, so what? Okay, so say my entire life, all of my relationships, all of my love, all of my emotions, it's all just been the Matrix. It's all just been a computer simulation. Then fucking what? Do I want to shoot you in the head now? Do I want to kill my family right. dead? Do I want to break up with my boyfriend? Like... Okay, so say it's not real. Well, it's still actually kind of fucking real. Then this it's is still this, happening. This computer yeah. simulation is one that I've invested in. It like I don't really it doesn't do anything for me. Um, it doesn't do anything. I'm like, sure, okay, it's a simulation. It's still the one I care about. Like, and it's the only one I have, and I can't totally, get out of it. Totally. I just don't. I don't really get um, the escapist lure there exactly uh yeah i don't know i'm just like okay yeah i i agree it's the matrix now what fucking now what are you gonna you're gonna kill me like what are you gonna do this brings up such a like existential question around like heaven and hell in a way because totally do it you know the reason that people the reason that we as a as humankind have invented the concepts of heaven and hell whether they exist or not like i'm not i'm not commenting on whether they exist or not but what i'm saying is that humans have invented them, you know, like, or humans have imagined them. We can't confirm or deny. We can believe whatever. Well, okay. I mean, that's, you know, obviously I would agree, but that's a lot of people would say that's a hot take and that that's not a fact. Oh, okay. Whatever. You know, obviously, like, I mean, somebody I agree, had to like, write the Bible. Somebody had to put words on a piece of paper and write it. Okay. You're, yeah, Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it doesn't mean it's not true. I don't know. But I guess my point is like the reason that these concepts exist is to give people a reason to live, like a reason that like, oh, it's all worth it and we have to be good people because if we're good people, then we go to heaven. And I guess the Matrix um, concept throws a rock in that for some people because they're like, well, if that's what it is, then there probably isn't a heaven or a hell. And so it doesn't matter if I'm a good person or a bad person because it's all fake. You know, it's all a simulation. Um, I just feel mm -hmm. like... I uh, so I can understand, like, that's where those people are going with it, I guess is my point. That's a lot of hot takes you just dished out. And I think a lot of people are going to have some are going to are going to disagree. We all believe different things. That's OK. It's right. OK. It's OK to explore things. Um, to be clear, I don't know what I believe. So I'm just saying shit. But go on. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> um, I 
I guess I had just, I get the impression more from the people I've talked to who are really into this matrix idea that I do think it's, it's often my experience been people who are like really unhappy with the reality of their life. So if the reality of their life is not actual reality, then that's like a really promising mm. escapist notion. Like the, my real life. The real truth, my real purpose. It's not this one because this one fucking sucks. It's something else. Um, I feel like it does relate to the whole like UFO alien thing. It's like (sighs) this need for like a greater – all these kind of conspiracy, like any kind of conspiracy theory – some of them are some of them are bound to be true. I'm not saying that they're true or false or whatever, but I think like yearning for something that people might label conspiracy theory is like it's clamoring for this greater order instead of living mm-hmm. in a world that's just chaos. It's kind of like no, actually someone is in charge and it's a bunch of aliens or actually somebody um there is a system, there is an order and it's like this matrix complex or like I think it actually is like craving order in a world that it's like someone's in control in a world that often feels like we're all just flailing. Um, That's at least been my interpretation of it. I don't know about the. Yeah. No, I, I think that that probably is accurate. That's a good point. I haven't thought about it that way. My, the way I was interpreting it, was more I I don't think that these are at odds with each other but I was just thinking more about like what does it mean at the end because I feel like that's a lot of a lot of people are governed by this idea of like if I'm a good person then at the end I will be rewarded for it like that's a very that's a thing that religion puts in our heads and um and so to me I'm like okay some people believe that cool um, some people don't believe that, but then are they grappling with, you know, something else that might happen at the end? Are they saying the end doesn't matter because what's happening now is already controlled by someone and and I don't have, uh, like, autonomy in it? And so, like, whatever I do doesn't matter at the end because it's all, like, a, a matrix right now. Like, yeah. that's that's – so I was just jumping ahead to – yeah. to that type of thinking. Um, yes, totally. That makes sense. But, yeah, but uh, going back to what your point was at the beginning of this, like, I do agree what does <laughs> – and this is kind of the reason that I don't know um, how I feel about heaven and hell, how I feel about what happens at the end of life. Like, if I subscribe to a religious um, way of looking at it or a different way of looking at it or if I think it's nothing at all – it's like it's very interesting to talk about and to hear different perspectives on and I'm pretty open to all of them and I think that's because for me I'm like to some degree it doesn't make a difference because I'm in this right now like and I care about this right now like whatever inputs have gone into creating the person that I am which does include religion I went to Catholic school with Caroline for my whole growing up and like Um, My parents are people who believe in those concepts as well. And uh, so that's definitely like informed who I am. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, okay, like it could be true. It couldn't be true. I don't know. But I'm here right now and I care about my life. So I'm just going to like do the things I know how to do and that have 
you know what I'm saying? It's all very Dude, abstract, yes. but it's what no, you were saying before. Totally. No, I was going to say, like, honestly, I don't like to get into religious talk too much because uh, publicly online because a like what really what could be like more emotional and more personal to people and I don't want to upset anybody um and I also find that I think the people who get the most upset I like respect their different beliefs but I don't usually feel that they respect my differences so Mm. it feels personal to me too I kind of don't like to dive into it because I would like us to be able to all have our different beliefs. Like, that feels okay to me. I don't give a fuck what you believe. Um, right. But the one thing I'll say, like, universally that's never really made sense to me, someone's going to DM me about this now, is, like, <laughs> this idea of, like, we're doing it all for the later life. And I've just been like, why is the later life yes. more, more important than this life where all of the people I love and care about are? Why is why is the more important life the one we don't know about and that's not happening and it's centered around I mean whatever don't get me started but like I've just never understood really it never really made sense to me okay and you'll say like well it's for eternity um well it's like a higher being like I don't know those things that just doesn't really I'm like what about this one this one seems worth working on too like worth loving people here too and being a good person just to be good to the people here not so I can like get into the better after party I Mm -hmm. I never it's just something that like never I mean not never because I used to be super super pious but um it's something that doesn't quite work for me anymore it's not as compelling yeah these days but yeah I totally agree I can see the arguments for it um And I think it's an interesting thing to explore. I'm not, like, shutting anybody's viewpoint on it down. But I will say, like, where we are right now, this life that we're in currently, is the one that we know know things about. It's the one that we can see with our eyes and we have um, experiences in and we have people we love. It's the one where, like, you can have an influence and you can make an impact right now and you can see that happen in front of you. And so I never really understood the same thing. It's like... um, you know, there's this af- there's potentially yeah. an afterlife, but I know nothing about it. And there's a current life and I know a lot about it. Yeah, so like why I don't I just try to do that good? And then like later, like hopefully that'll be good, but I don't know anything about it. So like there's not really a whole lot I can do to um guarantee it or not. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It doesn't seem like that's such a weird motivator to me. It's like what if it what if the prize was just like it's good to make your friend's life good and then you die you know i don't know okay we're i've upset i've upset a lot of people now i've upset a lot of people i gotta stop well no i think that that's how we generally as no this is such a huge generalization and it assumes that people are inherently good which is my view on things but it is not proven by any means but if you go if you live in a world where you assume that everyone is generally good or inherently good and you know bad things happen but it's not because we aren't inherently good um then it's kind of like we're already doing that like it would be really interesting to meet someone who day to day the reason that they are doing good things in the world is because of the afterlife like directly Mm. correlated you know what I mean like yes that might inform your worldview and that might live in the back of your head and in your spirituality but is that actually how anyone is operating day to day like oh if I open the door for this woman then I will I get a point towards 
you know, going to heaven. For sure there are some out there, but I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, it's probably most people. That's not the immediate thing. I don't know. Let's fucking leave it there because I don't have more to say. I feel like we figured out everything about religion and belief and God and right and wrong. I feel like we solved all of it and I don't think there's going to be any weird comments or (laughs) upsetting DMs or um, anybody unsubscribing. I think it's all just going to be smooth sailing from here. Um, Don't you think? Cool. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just say this. Okay. Last night when I took a shower, I accidentally put conditioner on before shampoo because I had just cleaned my bathroom and I accidentally like switched their placement on the shelf. Rookie mistake. In my shower. Rookie mistake. And I was like on autopilot during my shower. Anyway, put on conditioner, then shampooed and was like... Should I put on conditioner again? No, I'm just going to fucking vibe with it. And I'm having a really good hair day, so I don't know if this is a hack, but um, I, I also can't hack. prove That's it crazy. because we're That's not crazy. recording video. That's crazy. <laughs> that actually sounds crazy to me. That's crazier it, than anything you said about religion. <laughs> I know. I know. And I thought it was worth kind of capping off that conversation with <laughs> with that thought. With something equally deep, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess I'm just going to, to me, faith is trusting that your hair actually looks good without visual proof. (laughs) So I believe that your hair looks good. You are so pious. I'm fucking pious. How? (laughs) Okay, another like personal, personal hygiene, personal beauty uh, comment really quick that I realized this week. Did you know... That you were there the first time I put in a tampon. Oh, um, that sounds vaguely familiar. Tell me more. <laughs> so, I will. Um, we were at a beach house in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, with our friend Sheila. Yes. We went with her family, and her boyfriend at the time was there, and you and me. And it was like I think it was summer after senior year of high school like we had just graduated whoa we that's the so much older than i thought you were gonna say that was the first time you put in yep. a tampon wow that was the honey first baby. time i put in a tampon Aww. my mom was one of those that was like it's gonna what? not be good for my young girl what? who hasn't been sexually active yeah what? I, I i used pads for so long because she thought your puss was too tight for a tampon I don't know the details. Like, she never said those words. I don't know the details. I think she was just worried about it for whatever reason. And she just never supplied them to me. And I never really questioned it. I just thought, like, oh, pads are what you use. And then into high school, people were using tampons. And I was like, how come I'm not using those? But then it was just like, whatever. I guess I'm used to this. And I'll do it eventually. And I'm in no rush. Okay. And I was kind of scared, too, because I think she, like, unintentionally put some fear in my head around it. And then – or maybe intentionally. I don't know. And then um, at the beach that summer, I had my period, like, literally first day we got there, my period started. And obviously, I wanted to be in my swimsuit and have fun and stuff. And so Sheila was like, oh, no problem. I have tampons. And I was like, Sheila, you know I've never used a tampon. And she was like, it's fine. I'll talk you through it. So she stood outside – the bathroom door while I like was putting in my tampon and she was talking me through the steps and I thought that I nailed it 
even though it felt kind of weird, I was like, maybe it feels weird for the first time. That's oh, no. that seems reasonable. Wait, what? And it turns out that like later in the day when we came back from the beach, I went to take it out and <laughs> I pulled it out and the whole applicator, the plastic applicator was still on it, covered in blood because I wasn't aware or like I didn't correctly Just. eject it. Oh, and I had just been wearing it like that for like five hours. Yes, Jess. <laughs> no. Yes. No. What? What's the sweet little bubble where you're living in? This is I fucking know. crazy. I know. This and you crazy. were down the hall. I thought about this this week because I wow, got my hair this week. There? And I was I putting in a tampon like it was nobody's business. And I was like, wow. wait, Caroline was in the house okay. when I first did this and fucked it up. I don't fucking remember that. I don't remember that. I do remember, I think I was confusing it with somebody else putting in their tampon for the first time. Um... I was I was always ambiently watching when people would put in tampons for the first time <laughs> or for some reason. Um, that's fucking wild. Yeah, there's really nothing else to say about it. It's just Dude. one of those things. Like, I don't know why it didn't compute. I'm sure that Sheila's instructions were excellent. Like, this is not on her. No, um, Sheila fucked up. Sheila's fucking <laughs> dead to me for this. Sheila's dead to me. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I guess I don't remembers. even... I don't even know if I was – I'm trying to think if I was trying to just, like, verbally walk through – that's a service we could do on this podcast, verbally walk people through putting in a tampon because that's all you had. You just had audio. Like, I don't even know if I would remember to say – you know, all the little movements just become, like, um, routine. Like, it's almost muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I would have the sense to be, like, you got to take out the applicator. That's wild. I don't, I don't even remember putting in a tampon. She probably didn't want to insult my intelligence. She was probably like, oh, certainly oh. Jess knows to remove the plastic part. I don't need to say that explicitly because she's a smart girl. Like, Jess. I feel like it was something Jess. like that, you know. <laughs> These stories that you were sharing make me realize what a sweet puppy baby girl my girl Jess is. I was really. Or was. I was really oh. a baby girl. Well, right, she's was, baby girl. Right. Was now you're a fucking loose whore out here. You got like eight tampons in and on any given day. I know. Actually, I did. I, I did do that one time. One time, the only real tampon foible I had, um, I don't remember putting it in for the first time. I don't remember. I really don't have any memory of it because I got my period so much later than everyone. I remember <laughs> several summers of pool time when like one girl who was older had her period and none of us could go swimming because they wouldn't wear a tampon and like I think everyone had a pretty good attitude about it and everyone was always really supportive and I was always in the corner pissed like put in a fucking tampon (laughs) and so by the time like none of us can go swimming none of us can go swimming now and then so by the time I got my period I was like tampon and um I was like rearing to go and I don't have much memory of it at all. I was just like, let's stuff it and move on. But I do know this happened actually just like, this happened like a year ago or something. At some point I went to take out a tampon and two came out. And that's really all the information I have on the incident. I too have put in two tampons at the same time without knowing it and then gone and pulled out two and been like, what the hell? I feel like, Sometimes well, not you, you put in two of... at the same time. I think I put one. No, in sorry, I had one in. Yeah, I had one in. Yes, 
Yeah. And then put one in without realizing that I hadn't taken the previous one out like overnight or I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, I've also done the same thing with contacts. I've accidentally put two contacts in my eye. <laughs> the reason it really makes me laugh to associate those two just they are similar they're inserting things into your yeah into your body um i feel like it happens a lot when i'm when i'm high on the the weed i feel like weed the the contacts especially oh god don't don't let just get too high just gets too high someone check her for multiple tampons like we don't know like check all check all orifices i don't you i can't be check all the holes check all her wettest holes so one i have like i think actually one of my strongest talents one of my like drunk talents a i'm a i'm a very fast runner when i'm drunk and b no matter no matter how long it's been since i stopped saving memories i will always remember to take out my contacts i mean my entire all of college was just like me surrounded by various cups of water like in halls and in closets (laughs) and like places i fell asleep um and i would always i was always really afraid that someone would you know you don't have a contact case because you're just shit-faced falling asleep in a closet somewhere and i was always afraid that someone would pick up the drinking glass i was using to hold my contacts and they'd drink my contacts Mm. so i was always trying to like hide i'd like take out the contacts completely blackout take out the contacts fill them up with water in a drinking glass which is really bad for your contacts then i had to like hide the cups so that people wouldn't drunkenly just like <laughs> drink my contacts and then in the morning is like a fun little scavenger hunt i have terrible vision couldn't see anything scavenger hunt of like find the hidden contacts which cup is it oh which my God. cup yeah but that's a talent of mine like no, i think no matter how drunk i am that's impressive i will remember to take out my contacts that's impressive. See, my vision isn't bad enough where I can, when I'm drunk, identify the difference between contact mm. and no contact. Oh, like, okay. I can definitely tell day to day when I wake up in the morning, like, oh, shit, I need to put on my glasses or contacts or something. But um, when I'm drunk and drunk just, vision. like, getting ready for bed, I'm like, did I already take them out? And also, I think there's something about consuming alcohol or consuming weed or something that, like... I don't know, probably does something with your blood vessels and your eye and it makes it harder to grab them if your eyes yeah. are dry. I think it's because um, you get dehydrated, I would imagine. Dehydrated, That's why, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, you'll I'll be grabbing for them and it's like, oh, they're not coming out. Maybe I already took them out. And so that happens to me a lot. And I'll fall asleep and wake up in the morning and be like, oh, fuck, they're still in there. Um, the The thing I'm good at when I'm drunk is no matter what, for the past probably like six years, taking off my makeup, washing my face, doing my skincare. I will not I will not go a night without mm. doing it. And that's a that's a flex. That's like You've the biggest the flex I have. Beautiful face to show for it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I I thought you'd forget because we're not on video. I'm so no, glad you I can I was actually really just like picturing it really vividly just now. Oh good. I like to hear that. One time I was really drunk, and um, speaking of things we take out when we're drunk, I (laughs) was in, where was I? It was sometime in New York, and um, I worked for this guy who who owned a restaurant, but he was also, he was like this weird, like, I don't even know how to describe it, like, 
like edgy like lives in the loft in Brooklyn party dude he 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 oh mm. I think he was he was one of, he was one of the founders of House of Yes have you ever been to House of Yes oh yeah I in have New York yeah mm-hmm. okay so I worked for him in a restaurant while he was starting House of Yes and we ended up hooking up at some point and he lived in like this like crazy weird like loft structure I don't know it just, the, the loft is relevant because he was just like this weird artsy raver dude and right. um while yeah i currently like, live in a loft but yeah okay. <laughs> you're a weird artsy no but i mean like a loft no, no no okay sorry i need to clarify it was a like a big like open brooklyn loft but also the bed was on a loft you had to climb up like a mm. really steep ladder and um i was shit-faced in like his the upper level of a bed, it was like a, a lofted bed area to climb up a ladder to get to it. And in the middle of hooking up with this man, I did, I kind of hated him. Um, so naturally, <laughs> um, I realized that I had a tampon in and oh my God. I was he had like, already gone in. Um, he wasn't in yet, but he okay, was, okay. he was threatening to. And right, right. <laughs> and I was well aware of like how drunk I was and how there was like, there is no way I can climb down that ladder and get to the bathroom. I felt like trapped up in this like lofted like attic area. I was like, there's no, if I try to climb down that ladder, I'm falling oh down the ladder. Like I can either, I was like, either I throw myself off of this ladder and like somehow get my tampon out downstairs or, or had this brilliant thought in the middle of hooking up. I was like, I think we're both so drunk that I could just, like, rip the tampon out and just, like, throw it across the room. And and if I do it in, like, a swift motion, Mm -hmm. he's not going to notice. He's not even going to notice. Like, I'll just find it in the morning when I'm a little more sober. This man was my boss. And, um, (laughs) so I was like, (laughs) reminder. I was like, the second option sounds great. And so we're, like, making out or whatever we're doing. And I just, like, reach down tugged and just threw in like one fate like swift motion to like <laughs> flung a tampon across the room and I was like wow yeah that was so easy obviously I'm not going down the fucking ladder and then in the like dark of his lofted b- bedroom sex attic he just goes did you just throw a tampon across <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I was like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, was it hot the whole to thing. It wasn't a deal breaker. That's animal style, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, that was fucking animal style. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't. I don't think it was a deal breaker. And I, it was just so funny <laughs> to me in this moment that I was like, for sure I got away with that. 100% oh, I got away with that. Oh, my God. And he, like, as, as far as I know, I had drunk goggles on. So he might have been like the most obvious thing in the world. And I was just like, right. oh, that was pretty smooth. That was pretty smooth of me. <laughs> I remember like flew across and like hit the wall and like slumped down the wall. Oh my God. Like a tea bag or something yeah, like that tea, you like, like missed the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and in the morning I had to get up and like look for this tampon and then still climb down the ladder. And then like see him at, see him at work the next day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what I did with it. I don't remember. I wonder what I would do in that situation. I feel like I would probably do something similar. The only the only edit would be like maybe I would try to take it out and like covertly wrap it in my shirt or something. Like if my shirt had been taken off and was laying somewhere on the bed, maybe I would have tried to like grab 
a piece of clothing and wrap the tampon in it right after okay. I took it out. But that's a lot to do with one hand. Yeah. Then you have to wear that shirt the next day, I day when you go say, home. I was going to say, I do like the, I do like um, the care you're putting towards. Let's, let's problem solve this scenario. Okay, mm-hmm. what <laughs> in should case I have done? In case one of the listeners is ever in this situation. Yeah, in case you're hooking up with your um, with the boss that you hate in like a lofted <laughs> Brooklyn <laughs> attic dungeon, um, what? What's the right way to go? What's about the right it? move? It's it's tricky. I think logistically, it'd be tricky to find the shirt. And this person's like right next to you. Like find f- a find the shirt because you. This is the key. This is the key that my magician father taught me. Not about removing tampons, but about <laughs> diverting. But about diverting attention. It's all about yeah. where you put your eyes. So if you're trying to do something sneaky, you cannot look at what you're doing with your hand. You can't look at it. People will follow your eyesight. So if right. you're doing something with your hands, you can pretty much get away with like with people not noticing as long as your eyes are looking elsewhere. They'll follow where your eyes are. So I would think. I think in my head it was like a big. It was a big no no to look down or look around for a shirt or take my eyes away. At any point, I was like, eye I contact the whole time. Fling. Eye contact the whole fucking time, <laughs> and um, yeah, I just wanted to grab, yank and fl- yank and fling. I think was yank the approach. and fling. Yeah, but um, maybe you could also just like, yeah, because you don't know how you don't know how messy the tampon's gonna be. I was gonna say like, so right. shove it shove it under a pillow, but that's not ideal Oof. either. Yeah, no, I think you I think now that we've problem solved this a little more, thought through all the steps, I feel like you handled it the best like a way professional. anyone could. I think I handled it like a professional. Yeah, you did because you do have that kind of magician um input, which I I lacked and so I needed that <laughs> for <laughs> to really think through this. Okay, wait, hold on. It did occur to me it did occur to me that I probably could have just been like I need to use the restroom. And like, can you give yeah, me but a moment? Then, it's dark and I'm drunk and I have to climb down this ladder. But that's the whole thing you were trying to avoid. Obviously, you can say that. I've many times been hooking up with someone, realized I had a tampon in and been like, hold on, I have to go to the bathroom. I think that's I not needed the hard help. part. I would have needed help getting down the ladder. That's exactly. Insane. It's the ladder. Yeah, it's, it's the, the ladder. Bed. That's why I literally felt like I was trapped up there. Yeah. It's I know. I bed. I think it was kind of a trap. You handled it the best you could, and even if you didn't, it's a matrix, and you didn't have a choice, so. Yeah, this this tampon isn't even real. You're not even really my boss. I was procrastinating a lot this week. I feel like I took procrastination to a whole new level, Um, and recently it's been with filming, like. I have been in this mode for a little while where I've just been dreading being on camera for YouTube stuff. And I think it's just a phase. It did help to take a break, but, like, there's something that also feels impossible about filming. Like, it feels like all – it feels like the hardest step because it's like if you fuck it up, the the video is fucked. The project is fucked. So it feels like there's all this pressure, and as soon as there's pressure, I start dreading it, and I don't want to start. And I don't know. I, I've been, like – procrastinating filming a lot and um (laughs) it was actually kind of amazing the list of things I came up (laughs) with to do instead of filming the video like I got up one day and like I knew for sure I was coming on this little lake 
island escape I'm on now. So like this was the only day I could film. I knew I had to film. And so I got up bright and early and I did three loads of laundry, including <laughs> soaking clothes, hand scrubbing like I was in the freaking 19th wow. century when they hand sh- separated my dry fit items and the white I never fold- i never my life <laughs> folded everything i read the entire user manual for my coffee machine i read the user manual <laughs> cover to cover like it was a short story <laughs> i steamed clothes i started steaming clothes eventually i like kind of came to in my in the like trance of procrastination chores I was doing eventually I came to and came to my senses when I was like in the shower water not on just in the shower on my hands and knees (laughs) attaching (laughs) scratch pads um that you put on the bottom of furniture like I was attaching scratch pads to the bottom of my shower stool to try and level it I was like leveling stool in the shower um which doesn't make sense because I think those pads, they're like felt pads. They'll, you definitely can't use them in the They'll shower. They'll like melt with the They'll water. They'll just fall off. They'll just fall off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I like came to there almost like coming out, waking up out of a blackout. And I was like, okay, wait. There's a chance that this task is actually not a high priority task. Like I might be procrastinating. <laughs> There's just a chance, just something for us to pause and ruminate on for a second. Should yeah. I be doing this? Should I be doing wait, this? Wait, so, so you did laundry you know, part of doing laundry is waiting for the laundry to be done. So you're saying in those waiting periods, that's when you read the coffee machine manual, that's when you were putting, or it was all after, or did you just sit on the couch and wait for your laundry? Oh, no. I'm busy right now because I'm doing laundry. I'm waiting. I'm cooking. (laughs) I'm cooking my laundry. No, I like cleaned the whole apartment, took out trash, like did everything that I loathe, read, read the narrative arc of my coffee espresso machine manual. (laughs) The thing that gets me, this is, and this is the advice I give all the time. It's still hard to take the own, like, you know what the answer is, but what eventually gets me to sit down and film is I have to, like, lie to myself and tell myself that I'm just going to film the intro to the video. I'm just yep. going to film, like, the first 90 seconds, and then I can, then I can be done. And it's ridiculous. It's so funny that that works because obviously I know I have to film the video today and never in my life have I just filmed 90 seconds and then put the camera away, like then start all over tomorrow. I have to do like hair and makeup and lighting and, uh, you know, charge the batteries and turn on the mics and set up the equipment. Like, of course I'm going to just film the whole video, but somehow (laughs) that trick of being like, you can quit after 90 seconds, like it still works and it gets me going. Yeah. I mean, I use that trick all the time for everything. I feel like I use it for workouts. When I go to the gym, it's different because it's Mm. like a a structured class that once I'm there, I'm doing the whole thing. But if I want to just work out in my apartment or something, like during COVID when that was all we could do, I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to do five minutes. I'm just going to do five minutes. If I don't feel like doing it anymore, I can stop, you know? And sure enough, most of the time I'd be like, okay, fine, I'll do 10 that's double what I had previously committed to. Even if it's just 10 minutes, cool. You know, or sometimes I'd be like, okay, I did five, I'll stop. But at least I did the five, you know, like breaking things into the, those smaller pieces. And and you always surprise yourself and do more than you expected. That is the nice thing about doing a workout, a workout class where you're like, if you, all you have to do is really sh- motivate yourself to show up to the workout class and then like they lock you the door and like, you can just stand in the back oh, of the totally. room for an hour, but like presumably you'll probably 
work out for the whole hour just to not embarrass yourself. Yeah. That's a good one. Totally. I, (laughs) this is just a side note on that, but when I first signed up for my gym, which now I've been going there for two years, which is really cool to say, like consistently at this one place going three times a week, except for obviously vacations and things like that. Um, I lived around the corner and that was a lot of the reason that I signed up for this gym because my number one thing with working out is proximity. Like if it is hard to get to, I will use that as an excuse time and time again why I just can't make it that day. Yeah. Um, So then I ended up moving like a mile away and that's where I live now. And when I moved over here, I was like, well, I'm obviously going to stay with this gym because I really do love it. But a mile is going to be enough for me to make excuses like once a week at least. And it was a huge um, influence in buying my car. And Mm. it's just a mile. Like you can obviously walk that pretty easily. There's public transportation that would take me like 10 minutes on a bus to get over there. Like it's not that far. But I was just like, I don't want to have any excuse. And obviously I was also like privileged to be able to afford the car I was art I my apartment came with a parking spot there are other factors but the main thing was like I don't want excuses to not go to the gym if that means this is like the final straw to push me to get the car then I'm fucking doing it you know oh I don't even think that's like um a small straw it's a big straw like if it the reality between okay like yeah you could walk the mile or you could do whatever things but it's like your your exercise routine is a huge part of what makes most people feel good day to day in their life. Right. It's not a small straw. It's a big deal. Um, so figuring out whatever it takes to make that possible, if that's a goal for you, like, that's a, that's so worth it. Yeah, I, I, that makes total totally. sense to me. I love that. I think that's how I was thinking about it. It was like this, everything else hinges on this, you know? So, like, there's no excuses. Yeah. I have to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to go back... I mean, maybe if there's more to say about it, like I am really interested in your feeling, uh, yeah, like you're procrastinating filming and I guess filming being like the hardest part of making your videos. I don't know. I just find that interesting because mm. you would also on the flip side think like as an outsider that filming might be the most fun part and then editing is like the harder, more tedious part. And I'm sure it ebbs and flows and changes and maybe it depends on the video and whatever mood you're in. But I just think it's interesting. It's been an ongoing thing in recent months um, that I've been trying to problem solve and I've gotten myself to a better place with it. It's not a constant. It's not that I hate filming. Um, And usually once I get going, I am having a good time. But that's why I think it's more that like at, at a certain point a month or two ago, I was burnt out. I was doing this like pretty big project with a sponsor and I made like a ton of videos for this sponsor's YouTube channel and it was a great experience, but it was three times as much time spent on camera every week, three times as much time performing and just, yeah, just being on camera Um, and the biggest, it was like a great the, the the collaboration was a great experience, but it was wild to learn how much it took from um, a finite well of on-camera energy I have. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do it all the time. I feel like I'm drawn to YouTube. It suits me really well for a bunch of reasons, but a main thing is that I, I 
am pretty introverted. Like I enjoy that solitary time. I enjoy working alone um, on a lot of creative stuff. I think a lot of YouTubers I've heard are pretty solitary people. Um, so it suits me, but there's still, there's still like this huge energy demand in filming, um, which like hopefully it should never come across that way, but like it, it is performance. It's like you do yeah. have to come on with a certain energy, um, not necessarily even to be upbeat. Like I try to bring whatever is energy is true, but it's like sometimes you don't want to, sometimes you're not in the mood to be exporting yourself. Um, yeah. Sometimes, or especially I think I, I, I start to get anxious and procrastinate about a video if I'm worried I don't have something quite valuable enough to say and then you're gonna like put all this work it's like if if you're like fearful that it won't be good enough or yeah I don't know it's it's yeah. a mix of like needing more breaks and I was definitely it like ran me into the ground doing all this extra filming for this other um sponsor sometimes I do like to be not performing I, I love to perform but you know when I was doing coding coding actually suited me very well energetically like heads down mm. don't have to talk to anybody can just like get in a flow building a thing solving a puzzle and you can show up with any energy um and it's fine you're in a bad mood you can code you're in a good mood you can code if you're feeling antisocial you can do whatever but with YouTube they're obviously you you have to come you have to show up to the show with the right energy same with the podcast I think it it the podcast is very casual but um there it are, seems more casual than it is in a way like we, I think it seems a lot more casual than it like you yes you and yeah. I I think we both know we have to come with like the right intention and the right energy even to have like an effectively casual conversation but like I've yeah. showed up with like off energy before and it does come through or it's, it's just not as good of a product or I don't know you could probably speak to that too oh totally I mean so many reactions to what you're talking about because I relate like even though I feel like I'm different than you in the sense that I am more extroverted and I crave that a lot of the times um I I still very much relate I think for the podcast um, yeah, it, it seems like super easygoing and conversational and that's because it is. We don't plan it. But at the same time, we have to show up with certain energy. We have to like have things that we thought about over the course of the week and thought, oh, this would be interesting to talk about with Caroline or with Jess, um, at least a couple things to get us going. And I don't know, that seems simple, but the weeks go by really quick and sometimes you're just heads down in whatever else you have going on or you just want to have fun and let loose or you want to just watch tv every single night and you don't really have as many things to bring um so that's definitely that's definitely like relatable it is performance and i also find after we record i've started to like make sure that i have like at least an hour after we record before i go do something else like with other oh, people oh interesting um I am so weird after we record. Like oh, there's been many times <laughs> when we used to record. Now we try to record on Fridays to give ourselves the full weekend of like downtime. But we used to at the beginning record on Saturdays. So I would almost always be running to plans with friends like immediately after we recorded. And mm -hmm. I just found myself so like 
I don't even know. I, I think because I have to, I feel like for the podcast, I'm giving all of myself and I like it. Don't get me wrong. Like in this hour, hour and a half when you and I are doing this, I like it. But I'm like on highest attention alert, like really listening and like locked into what you're saying. I'm being introspective. I'm trying to make jokes like and it comes naturally, but it's like the peak peak me you know it's natural me but it's peak totally me. I totally and know so when I'm done it's like there's a come down and if I see people right after I just feel like I'm I'm in a daze but I'm also like super drained critical no I'm like in not critical like in a mean way but I'm almost like too critically thinking or like too analytical of what's happening but at the same time I'm like dazed and confused and drained like it's a really weird mix my brain activity is very high but I might come across as like lower energy outwardly um it's just a weird thing like I need to reset afterwards so I do relate to that and I feel like I'm being more conscious and and I also have gotten comfortable to tell my friends like yeah, we recorded today. I might like be weird <laughs> for the first down. thirty minutes. I'm yeah, like, I might just be I'm on the calm down. I just peaked. Yeah, okay, and honestly, I, I don't even know if anyone else realizes it. Like, I actually sure. might not be coming across differently to anyone else, but it's like I'm hyper aware of how I'm coming across because when we're recording, I'm I'm tracking. Okay, where are we in the conversation? What have I said? What What do I want to say next? Like. Should we have a funny moment? Should we get more serious? Like I'm tracking the conversation very consciously. Um, And so then when I go and try to have a normal conversation afterwards, I'm like, I'm like, it's still in the mindset of tracking it all, if that makes sense. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I don't I don't feel that way after recording, but I'm it is it takes a specific energy. It's like it's funny how it actually relates to something I was thinking about specifically this week in so the product of this podcast is like friends having it's a casual genuine live conversation but yeah ideally showing up as the best version of a friend sometimes I see my friends and I'm Mm. a fucking lazy piece of shit I'm self-involved I'm thinking about myself I'm not really listening very well I'm not pausing to let them finish their stories like I still cut you off plenty but hopefully we circle back to it um (laughs) and I was thinking about it First of all, before we started the podcast, I think one of the main pieces of advice I heard, I don't even remember who this was from, but somebody, a big podcaster, I cannot remember who, was saying they realized that like really all that was required and what was imperative for a good recording was both people showing up with like good energy and intention and listening. You don't have to be funny. You don't have to have content. It's like if you show up with an intention and good energy, the recording will be good. I remember hearing that. Yeah. Very early on. And I think it's true. And I was thinking about it even in personal relationships um, this week because um, there, there's another podcast that I think a lot of people who listen to this probably also who listen to ours also like. Um, it's called Do You Fucking Mind? It's like very self-development, yeah. self-empowering. Like my sister turned me on to it. Really fun podcast. It's great if you want to check it out. And um, the host, Alexis, did an episode about who is getting the best of you, meaning who is getting like the best version of yourself, who are you giving that to? Like when you get into um, early dating or early dating honeymoon phase now, like when I see 
Justin still, it's early days, if I'm in a bad mood, I do kind of try and take care to snap myself out of it a little bit. I do have this awareness of like, uh, of what the experience is like for him. And Mm -hmm. he does the same to me, I can tell to some degree, like you're taking care that when you're showing up, you're being yourself and you're being authentic and you're showing up as who you are, but you're also still like doing your best to like be... It's not about always being happy, but, like, you're putting care into it about the energy you're bringing on, like, early dates or when you like someone. And then later this week, I – at some point, I was hanging out with two of my girlfriends that I'm super comfortable with. And I was just being, like – I was just having lazy energy. Like, I wasn't making the effort. I felt like I was being lazy. I felt like I wasn't – I don't know. And I was just, like – it made me think of this concept, like, who are you giving the best of yourself to? Um, it's really easy to, to instinctively naturally do it when you're like infatuated with someone. It's a lot harder to do it with your family. Maybe the hardest I think to do it with my family. And sometimes mm-hmm. even with my friends, I'm not doing it intentionally. And I'm like, why aren't I treating my friends, my like limited f- few precious people, why aren't I treating them with like the care and the intention that I bring to someone I'm in love with. But the reason is because you don't have like an unlimited amount of that version of yourself. That's what I would think. Like, that's how I feel. I think it's not about like, it's not about like putting on a different version or suppressing negative feelings. But it's like, I think it's, it's like getting lazy. It's like getting lazy yeah. that you're just going to like dump Lazy or comfortable. Or, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like. I think there's a fine line. Obviously, I think there's areas for all of it. Like, you have friends to also be able to, like, be completely emotionally naked and raw and comfortable with. But I think there are more opportunities than I'm currently identifying where I could bring a little more attention to the kind of energy I'm bringing. Totally. No, I hear what you're saying. I think the reason that I'm poking some holes is because I feel like I'm coming I'm coming at it from a different place personally in my like uh, personal development journey where I feel like I've always been someone who is bringing that best energy most Mm -hmm. most considerate and taking care energy to like almost everything in my life and every relationship and everything mm. I do. And I mean, it it resulted and results continuously in burnout and me just being like, I can't fucking do it anymore. And now where I'm at is like, I, I I'm a little more intentional about like, this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a person. This is going to be an activity. This is going to be a podcast recording, whatever, where I bring that. But then I can, if I need to afterwards, like release myself of it. And that's okay too. And I'm allowed to show up, you know, in the lazy version as well. Totally. So it's this fine balance because I I so hear and like uh, actually like really like what you're you're describing and what was talked about on on this Do You Fucking Mind podcast. Like, I want to go listen to that. Yeah. Because I think there's such truth to it, and it's so important um, to, like, yeah, to take that care in how we show up to our different relationships. But it's also 
important to like give yourself a break and i i struggle with it all the time (laughs) it's both it's definitely both um and maybe we're coming at it from different angles because we have different areas we need to grow in like i think you probably do turn it on for people a lot and i think that sometimes i can be kind of lazy um but i was thinking about like even in even in like romantic dynamic something i'm aware of in having a boyfriend now and we've talked about a lot of ways I feel very used to taking care of myself and in order to like give him the chance to even take care of me in moments I have to first like like volley it up to him and I've already had the thought in moments where I had I had I was thinking about this from early on that like I've been single for two years right and in those two years when I have a bad day, I fucking handle the bad day. I take care of the bad mm-hmm. day. I rarely call a friend. I rarely call a sister. Like, sometimes on specific things. But, like, mostly I'm fucking handling the day. And it is almost a little irksome to me. Like, it's really nice to have a partner that gets to, like, carry your good and your bad with you. But I also am aware. I I don't know. People could debate me on this. But I kind of feel like. I don't think he should just have to, like, carry my bad days now. Like, I yeah. I don't know. It's like there is something to sharing a little bit of it. But also, I am literally fucking capable of doing it on my own and not laying it on somebody else. And I know he would. And I know he would be happy to. And I think any good partner would. And, of course, I would do that for him. And, of course, I want to do that for him. But I do think there's also something to tempering it. Like, just because yeah. you could lay your whole bad day on them, like... I'm used to coming home to an empty apartment, a silent space with no one to talk to and no one to go on a vent and rant about the terrible traffic. Like, I I haven't been able to vent to anyone about a terrible day I had. And now all of a sudden, I could just start unloading if I wanted to. Right. Um, And he would probably take it and I think a lot of people would. And something feels weird to me about that um like I, I don't want to yes. do it I don't want to do it just anytime I you, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying just because I could yes. and just because he would show up and like just because couples can do that I don't know it's weird after being like I've gone years without you know doing the back like end of work day rant to someone now I'm gonna start laying it on a person I really care about it's it's a funny thing I don't know yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, really relate to that. And I, I very much understand what you're describing. It's something that probably in the first year of my relationship with my boyfriend, we ran into a lot where like I'd be stressed out about something or ha- be having a bad day. And he would almost like like he'd want me to unload it on him. Like he'd say, well, it's my it's my responsibility too to take care of you and to like hear this and like like it's his duty. He's a very like dutiful person. I would say that that's something that like motivates him a lot um, to feel like he's doing things for people that he cares about. And so he wanted to be let into the bad days because he was like, that's my mm-hmm. job. I'm mm-hmm. your boyfriend. And I was like, it's not your job. It's my job. What? Like my emotions are my are my job to manage like that doesn't mean I'll never open up about them and never share them and never need to vent but like day in and day out like I'm responsible for myself you're not and it was like this weird dynamic of I think it's really lovely that you want to do that for me Mm -hmm. but also I don't think it's your job and I like don't know how much of it to relinquish so did that change for you guys over time it has changed um I think it's partly like 
comfort with each other and like letting letting ourselves have the bad day in front of each other he used to do the same thing even though he was really wanting to support me through my bad days if he was having a bad day he'd be like I'm sorry like I just need the day to myself um I think we're both better at being like we can still see each other even if we're having a bad day at work or whatever we can still meet up at the end of the day and vent about it and cuddle and do whatever we need to do so we're getting Mm -hmm. better at that we have gotten better and it's just taken time um but I also think there's like an extreme that I don't want to get to so I understand what you're saying of like I don't want to be putting my shit on him I don't want to be I don't want that to be like a big part of our relationship a big part of our time together um I it's like wonderful to know that he's there and that I can if I need to, but I don't want to overly take advantage of it because I also want this to be a space that's like free and light and it's not going to be that way all the time, but I want enough of that, you know? I want the fun and I want the play and I want to forget about my bad day. Like I want this, I want mm-hmm. the relationship to have space for that too. Um, so I, I haven't figured it out perfectly, but I really get what you're, what you're describing. Yeah, I think there's like a bunch of different ways. I think there's things – I don't think I have the balance figured out. It's definitely something – and I don't think there's a right answer either. I think it just depends on your the, – the, the what you need as an individual, what your relationship needs as a unit. Um, and I and, think it probably – And it changes I think it's going to change. Like, I think it's because it's new for me and because I'm like – I've been doing everything on my own. Why? How silly, like, mm-hmm. how the fuck could I start acting like I need to put anything on anyone else? But it also, like, of course I understand, especially, if, I think, for a lot of guys, like, they want to be able to show up for you. You know, right. same for me. I want to be able to do something nice. If somebody always just kept me at arm's distance and kept all their problems, all their, like, serious concerns from me, that would feel like a way of shutting me out of their life. Like, it, it actually is right. intimacy as well. It's just... um actually like my fear to some degree of intimacy and like or I think I have this impulse of like I want to eliminate all the fear but there's some degree to which eliminating fear comes at a different cost and like sometimes there's a value to keeping your own fear and living in that like I don't know I was talking to my dad yesterday he was telling a story about uh some friends that he and my mom made in Florida um where they're spending like a lot of the year now and um, it just made me think like he was recounting kind of this whole new life that he and my mom are now living mm. in Florida with these like new friends who are like from somewhere that whatever we would have never met people from before. And I was just like, wow, like the number of chapters that that a life has, you know, like. Not only my parents together in their lives with each other and how many chapters and phases and like how that's looked so different. But then even before that, I mean, my parents grew up in like a war torn Lebanon. Like now they're now they're retiring in Florida and making friends with like rich people from New Hampshire. Like, what is that? And so um, I think that when I think about that and think about relationships that like are intended to to last forever, last for the long term. Um, There is so much ebb and flow and seasonality. And there's probably time periods when, 
you're going to vent a lot more to your partner and rely way more on them for the heavy stuff. And it's not going to be that light. But then you need to balance it out by the next, you know, chunk of time that's going to be like full of romance and play. And and then the other person's going to need to rely on on you way more and, and need a lot of support. Like it just bounces back and forth so much. I'm really interested in that. Yeah. Sex, love, and kisses. Kisses always. Bring them home. Give them some kisses. Okay, Tell kisses. You're all. You all get a little kiss from me and a little and a pat on the butt from Jess. This has been not for everyone. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram. Not for everyone. Pod with the number four. Jess is on Instagram. Jay Z Debaki and I'm on YouTube. It's Caroline Winkler. You know that it's true. Um, we have been loving the reviews you guys have been leaving. Recently, yeah. we, I like to share the reviews that make me laugh the most. I like to share them to our Instagram. If you want to leave a review, let me say this one more time. It has to be a nice review. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what you actually think <laughs> about me. If you're going to write a review, you're going to make it nice and make it silly. And all the ones that make me giggle, I'll put on Instagram. And um, yeah, we just got the best people here. I, I hope no one's too offended from various parts of our conversation today. But if you are, let us know. Move me to tears, <laughs> and thank you for being a part of the community. Uh, yeah, love that. Love that for us. Listen, it's all it's all exploration. It's all jokes. It's all it's all love. So thanks, y'all. I got to go get a wax, which is actually the one thing that's that not fucked up. That oh, we don't both love here. So. Unforgivable. <laughs> okay, well, best luck okay. to you. Godspeed. <laughs> Bye. Kisses. Yo, bro, I'm right here. I'm right here next to you in the dark. Oh, it's so sexy. I'm oh, scared, but I'm turned on, scared? too. No, I was going to say, I know you're horny. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I <laughs> Always know a little. you're fucking horny.